Welcome to Do It For The Process, studio conversations for artists and creatives. I'm your host, Emily Jeffords, professional artist, educator, and mother of three. In this podcast, we dive deep into what it means to run a successful creative entrepreneurship, how to stay true to your art while also growing your creative business. And I always give a gentle reminder to fall in love with the process all along the way, because I firmly believe your creative business is only as strong as your creative practice. And with that, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. If you wouldn't mind, before we begin, could you pause or you can keep playing? What's fine with me, actually. Can you leave a review and a rating on this podcast? I'm realizing that I never, ever ask for that. And that's kind of a thing that I should be asking for. And I, I really do love this space and I would love to hear from you. And I like reading what you guys say. I've gotten a few constructive feedback items, which have been very helpful and a lot of encouragement, which is also very helpful. So leave your note below and I will definitely check it out. Thank you. Before we begin, I have to tell you from the start that this is a very surreal moment for me. February of 2020 marks 10 years in business for me. I left my job as a sales associate at Banana Republic when my daughter was born. It was a pretty easy, easy pass. You know, I made like what, $7.25 an hour. Daycare costs, you know, $12 or $15 an hour, maybe $20. I don't know. It was easy math. Stay home with the babe, find something new. I didn't love my job anyway, so it, it really, really was quite easy to, to, you know, try something out, try something new. So I left, uh, I left that job when she was born. She was born in September. Um, but I began painting officially. I have documented proof online, which is very embarrassing. Documented proof that February 10th was the very start of my career as an artist. Um, technically we were beginning to set up the space on the 7th. We began setting up my studio space and I began working ahead towards my, my launch, but February 10th was my very first launch, 2010. Um, let me go ahead and read you a few of my blog posts. I used to blog consistently back then, which is something that we're doing again now, but it's been quite a journey for me in the blogging space because I gave it up for many, many years. But I'm going to take you through my journey today, um, mostly because I very much want you to see that it does not matter where you are right now. It does not matter <laughs> how much you think you have to learn. I had more. I had more to learn or just as much to learn. And if I can do it, you definitely can do it. So today's podcast episode is titled, and I don't want this to be dramatic. I want this to be honest. Um, it's titled A Decade of Learning, Living in Poverty, Making Beauty, and Growing Stronger Every Day. And like I said, I don't want to say that to be dramatic. We very rarely felt sorry for ourselves. We just were young and didn't have our paths laid out for us yet and definitely learned a lot the hard way as we grew up together. And that did include some growing pains and some, you know, doing without and feeling uncertain and insecure and feeling like we, you know, it, 
we didn't have a security blanket. We had no security blanket. We were um, living very much paycheck to paycheck. So even within this space, my husband was working two jobs. We had an infant. Um, I left my minimum wage job and we were coasting by barely, (laughs) barely. Oh my gosh. So barely. Um, And out of that space, somehow with this little cocoon of a home that we had created and this beautiful uh, trust that we had in each other, my husband and I had in each other, and with our sweet, sweet babe, who was really a good baby, thank goodness, I found the energy and the space and the um, desire to create, even though, like, we couldn't buy groceries on certain days of the week and we couldn't pay for our gas bill at our house and we bartered for um, repairs and just things that I look back on and I'm I'm amazed at the peace that we had through all of it. Um, maybe it was naivety, of course, who knows. But I am so thankful that even through that, Um, I felt very enabled to be creative and I felt very enabled by myself, by my own energy, by my husband, by the, the safety of our home to try this risk of being an artist and providing a tiny bit of income for our family with my creative work. Now, was I strategic? Was I skilled? Not at all. Let me describe how not skilled I was. I had a genius idea. I'll let you decide whether or not that's facetious or not. A genius idea to do a painting a day. Now, remember, I have a, I have an infant. Uh, well, she's about four months old by this point. Um, painting a day, every single day. I had, I had art supplies left over from art school, so that's convenient. I had pieces of wood. I had old canvases. I had, you know, giant. Uh, you know how you can buy canvases in bulk, and they're like the most affordable things on earth because they're also the worst things on earth. I had a stack of those. I was ready to go. I would do a painting a day using those, you know, leftover supplies from art school, leftover supplies from my husband's grandfather, brushes that I had abused and should have thrown away, but kept because they were fine. Um, That was my, my stock. And I decided I would do one painting a day and that I would sell the painting for the dollar amount of the day. So day number one was $1. Day number two was $2. Day number 10, $10. Day number 44, $44. Now, while that was really, really, really hard to live with, I was also very excited that people were buying my work and very excited that it was being received and loved and people were truly excited about it and felt very honored and excited to to own a piece which which at that point felt so gratifying and so satisfying to deliver something in person and have it so beautifully received now while i may not have been very good at accounting and bookkeeping and and being a cfo at that point I was pretty good at marketing, so I began launching this collection, or well, this this project, it wasn't a collection, it was a project, this painting a day project, 
on December 10th. I made the first announcement, but I teased the collection. I shared behind the scenes. I shared my studio. I talked about my inspiration. I talked about how people could get involved. I took submissions. I asked for photos. I did a really good job of building up a lot of energy and a lot of excitement around this. And on Monday, March 1st, 2010, the first painting went live. So I painted the painting and put it on my Etsy shop and sold it for $1. The next day I sold the next painting for $2. Now these were smaller pieces. The first painting was maybe, it looks like it was about like eight by 10 maybe. The next one is about four and a half by five inches. So they weren't big, but they were very affordable nonetheless. I shared inspiration. I did quite a lot of blogging. So this all grew, I did this for over 150-ish days. I'm not exactly sure how many exactly. Um, and then I got pregnant again. Oh, by the way, I should say that this went really, really well. That project went extraordinarily well. Would I, would I advise anybody to do this? No. Do not sell a painting for $1. It costs you more than that in just bare materials, much less any time whatsoever. But you could start at 100 that would be fine in fact i did that later on you could start at 200 and then add you know 20 dollars a day whatever works best i think the point is it's really really valuable to generate energy around your work and to draw people in in some way something that feels tangible and exciting and that they can get their head around and really, you know, come to cheer you on in. So because people were super into this, most of the paintings sold, if not all of them, I don't, I don't think I had any leftover that I remember. Um, and it went on for well over 150 days. So like I said, I got pregnant again. Um, a horrible morning sickness kind of knocked me off my feet. We, ended up finding ourselves in a place where we needed to change our careers. Well, my husband's career needed to become something. He was working three jobs at the point of our second pregnancy and was just exhausted. I was exhausted. We were emotionally tired. We were, we were not, we were not thriving. We were not thriving. So out of that space, my husband, who was very, very intelligent, got a very attractive offer to work for the Air Force um, in a very special role. And he took that, of course, because it was such a, a gift at that point in our lives and such a clear yes. So he took that. We moved to Texas for his training. We moved to Charleston for his actual job. And through that, I found myself displaced. I found myself out of my normal life. I didn't have a studio. I didn't have the structures that I had, you know, grown up with or settled into as a new married person. I loved it. I loved it so much. I felt so free and so excited. I would paint in my living room at midnight. I would go to the thrift shop and find frames. I would, I began my blog, Beautiful Hello Blog, which just finished last, a couple of years ago, maybe even last year, I stopped writing in that blog. So a lot of really good things came out of this season of my, my, the middle of my twenties. I would think I was 26 at this point and, um, finding myself, finding my aesthetic, finding what resonated with me. You know, blogging was actually very transformative for me because it, it encouraged me to absorb so much inspiration in, in order to put that inspiration back out into the world in the form of a blog post. 
I found myself very drawn to certain things and repelled by other things, as all of us are. Uh, one funny thing is I was repelled. I'm like, I shouldn't even say repelled. I should say repulsed by the color cobalt blue. Like it made me nauseous. I don't know why. Now I love the color. It doesn't bother me at all. But at that point in my life, it did. Isn't that weird? Another great thing to come out of that blog, probably the best thing is I got to interview artists. I interviewed a lot of artists and I would ask them about their history and their passion and their process and why they did what they did and how they thought they were affecting the world or themselves. And I just really got into their heads and I got to cheer them on. I got to support them. I got to talk about their work, which honestly at the beginning, this is also kind of funny and adorable looking back, but at the beginning, I was so nervous that maybe they would be upset that I wrote about them. Like they would be like, no, you're not cool enough to write about my artwork. <laughs> and I, I felt so nervous about telling them that I had written about them or asking them interview questions and bothering them. And now, of course, as someone that gets interview requests frequently, it's always a yes. Like it's always, thank you. Of course. Like I would love that. Um, if someone writes about me on their blog without, you know, needing an interview, it's even better. Like that didn't take any of my time and it's sweet. And I, I'm just so thrilled about that, of course. Um, so that was an amazing time of nourishing and forming my creativity. And I didn't have a lot of space to output. I didn't have, a, I didn't have a studio. I didn't have a space to create. I didn't have time to create because we were moving and we were, I had two tiny children at that point. Um, so I put in a ton of inspiration, a ton of creativity. And my husband's job at the military paid enough for us to survive. We felt, you know, in, in contrast to our early marriage years, we felt so so sure of our security. We had healthcare, we had, you know, the military does a good job of taking care of its people. Um, really it's, it gets a bad rap, but it does, it does a pretty good job. I mean, it's hard to work with and it's not the lifestyle for us anymore, but it, it was, it did feel very generous at that point. Um, so we moved to Charleston and, we got a three-bedroom apartment, and that third bedroom was my studio, which, oh, I can't tell you how good that felt to have a door, to have a space, to have a dedicated place to play, and I definitely did play. I created some crazy artwork in that room that, I'm, <laughs> that I still have on my walls, actually, and that I still truly love. Um, I created my first actual oil painting commissions in that room. Um, a lot of good things happened there, for sure. Another great thing that happened, this is about 2012. Another great thing that happened is I was accepted into an art fair and that really helped me to see my work from the outside. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it really helped me to envision how my brand and my studio and my work is going to feel to a stranger or someone visiting my booth. Um, it gave me a really good perspective on this. And this is something I recommend if you are an artist, think about your work from the outside. Think about how someone else is going to think about your work as they come in contact with it either on your, you know, your blog or your your booth at a at an art show or your Instagram or your website, wherever they might see your work. How does it feel to them in that moment? Um, that was a really like transformative thing for me. 
So the blog is flourishing. I'm beginning to flourish as an artist. At this point, I set some goals. I set some real goals. Now, my husband had a job with the Air Force. That's why we were in Charleston. Um, but Charleston's expensive. You know, it's not it's not a tiny town in West Texas where everything is affordable. Charleston's a pretty costly place to live. Our rent was really high for us. Like, that was the most we had ever. It was nearly triple what we were paying, you know, before. Um so our money didn't go quite as far. We didn't feel quite as abundant. We kind of needed me to make some money. So my goal at this point was to make $400 a month. And that would cover our grocery bill for the month and maybe a trip to Starbucks. Just enough to give us a little bit of space and a little bit of assurance and to give me something to aim towards. Now, that was my goal for every single month out of the year, including January and February, which if you are a creative entrepreneur, you know, this can be especially hard months for art sales specifically. So I decided to put together an actual website. I used a big cartel site back then and I began getting creative. I would do studio sales for the spring. I would do events. I would do, I had a whole product line, including jewelry collages, oil paintings, probably a few too many options if I'm being honest, but I was enjoying all of them. I was exploring, I was experimenting, I was doing things within my aesthetic. Um, And I'm very, very proud of that time in my life because I really began to think of myself as a professional artist, which is a phase that is so important for all creative entrepreneurs, specifically fine artists. And it was a really transformative phase for me that I'm very, very, like, very deeply thankful that I walked through. If I could thank my younger self for any phase, I think it might be this one. Um, Well, all of them, really. We should always be generous with our past selves, am I right? So that went on. I grew. I grew that to $800 a month and then $16 and then, you know, $2,000 a month. And then once I figured out how to talk about my work and how to depend on my process and how to depend on my audience and my collectors and to create good work that they appreciated and that they were into and, you know, that whole balance of doing what I love and what they love, I figured that out and I felt like I could depend on it. And that's very, very affirming. But then my husband's job at the military very suddenly disappeared due to some budget cuts and some government shutdowns that happened in 2013. We suddenly had no income. There was no severance package. There was no two weeks notice. There was just sudden, abrupt, you have no income. What did we do? Um... He was making enough money that we lived comfortably, but we definitely lived paycheck to paycheck. We definitely did not have a lot in savings. However, we had been saving very wisely on the side, and we had just enough money to move to Greenville, South Carolina, where my husband enrolled in a coding school. Now, this did take all of our savings, literally all of our savings, to the point that we had to live with my mother-in-law, who was very generous and very patient with us and our two sweet, sweet daughters, but her house is not that big and we are a family of four. We lived with her. We all got along beautifully. My husband went to our, um, went to the coding school. My one request slash requirement was that I have a studio outside of my mother-in-law's home. 
because I wanted to still have space to create. I wanted to continue this momentum that I was finding, but we had just put all of our money into this transition and into the schooling that had to be paid up front. And, you know, it's this whole thing. Um, so having the studio was kind of our last time and we chose to spend it on that because, you know, when you are up against a wall, sometimes the best thing to do is to, is to push back a bit and be like, no, I have a skill. I will use my skills. We will be fine. So that's how I, very much how I felt with my artwork. Um, I took a big risk and it did not pay off. Sadly, I took a big risk and spent quite a lot of our non-money. <laughs> we didn't have any. Uh, I flew to New York. I went to a conference in New York, the Alt Summit, which I got a lot of good, a lot of good things from. Um, and I also exhibited my work at the Renegade Craft Fair, which I don't know if this is a fluke. Nobody came. Nobody came to the fair. There were very few people attending the craft fair. Now, I do think that's a fluke because I've heard good things about the Renegade Craft Fair in general. I just haven't experienced it because I only tried that one time and it was a giant flop. Um, for perspective, at the shows that I had been doing, I've done, I had done two shows prior in Greenville, South Carolina, and at each show I made between two and $3,000 which oh, it was such a bounty. It was such a, like, that was huge. That was, um, that was everything for us. So that's kind of what I expected. I thought I'll be in New York. I can probably assume that I'll make 4,000. So I spent quite a lot getting to this show, investing in the booth and, you know, all the things traveling up there. I had my suitcases full of artwork I stayed on somebody's couch. So generous. And I think I made $200. Um, I did not break even. I definitely was in the red. That was a really hard blow because that was, I was really depending on that income pulling us through this time. And it did not pull us through this time. It was very much a loss a very much an expense, in fact. So I came home and for some reason I wasn't crushed. I was a little bit determined. I, I was super determined. Let's just be real. I was very determined that this would not get us down and that we would be just fine. Um, it got to the point that we were incredibly poor, incredibly poor. We had very little money um, um, and an amount that makes me like squeamish to even say out loud. Um, so at that point, what could I do but paint? What could I do but do something that I knew my audience would love? So at this point, let me just lay the foundation. I had been successful at selling paintings in the past. I sold many, many over a hundred paintings in a hundred, over a hundred days, you know, the painting a day challenge. I had begun the blog. I was establishing myself as a tastemaker, a quote unquote tastemaker. Let's be real. <laughs> um, it wasn't like a huge, a huge blog by any means, but it did get good re readership and people really followed it and they really enjoyed it. Instagram had begun and I was using that very strategically, very, um, effectively for the time, you know, it was 2013. So everything has filters and is a bit, uh, off center and, you know, all these things. Um, but I was being wise about how I was showing up in the world. Now this, this year did set us back quite a lot for multiple reasons. The hiccup of having to move, of having no job, of having no income, of spending all of our savings on this schooling, um, the show in New York, not, 
you know, not being profitable whatsoever. So we're going into this new phase, which this happened in July or June of 2013, where we had this crucible of needing $3,000 within 30 days. So I told my audience what was up. I got out all my supplies and I began painting. I painted 32 paintings in 32 days. I had two extra bonus days and they all sold. They all sold the day that they were painted. Actually, the day after they were painted. I, I think I did the painting one day, photographed them, and then I posted and listed them to be scheduled at noon the next day. So every day at noon, the painting from the day prior would be sold. And I would promote those on Instagram and Instagram posts. Of course, there were no stories back then. So Instagram posts. And my audience just really rallied around the the project, the consistency of it. I was painting work that's really good. In fact, if you look at my print shop, there is still pieces from that collection in my print shop. Um, there's one in particular that I love, and I love the story behind it, called Coming Storm. Um, that one is actually a commission that I got in the middle of this project, which was so special to me. Oh my goodness, it was amazing. Um, another one is To the Stillness. That's actually the second painting I did in this whole collection, and it's still in my print shop today. You can go find it. It's oh, it's just so special to see those pieces there because I I know the feeling. I know the history of their origin. I know how... I was feeling in that time, the rawness in my heart, the need for, for hope. And something inside of me had that hope. Something inside of me created out of that place of peace. And the titles of these pieces mean a lot to me because they very much signify the needs that I felt in my own heart or the inexplicable peace that I had in my own heart. And that's, oh, it's very, very special to me. It gives me chills to this day. <laughs> um, so from that project, because it was so well received, I got uh, so many commissions, you guys. I got so many commissions. I opened up commissions directly after this project finished and they were completely full, they were completely filled up. Um, the, the prices did raise, so they were $100 during this project because I was really open about the fact that we need to sell all of them in order to hit our goals. Um, could I have done 10 paintings for 300? Yes, of course, that would have been just fine. I probably would have sold those as well, but I needed the assurance that they weren't gonna be too expensive and that they would definitely sell for my, my confidence at that point. Um, but afterwards they did go up to 300 and I got so many commissions, which gave me the confidence to know that I could provide for our family. Like I could do that on my own without my husband needing to find a job instantly right after graduation. And, you know, we didn't have a lot, but we had enough. And that was so very empowering and so very exciting to me. I had never had that before where my art was funding our life. That was the first time it happened was in the summer of 2013. And man, so much growth has happened since then. It's been incredible. But that was the the lead up and the build up that those three years from 2010 to th 2013, where we went in waves of poverty. 
feeling abundant, feeling bountiful, feeling confident and peaceful no matter what, and creating out of that place of both necessity and desire and peace and discomfort and this whole mixture that when you let it work in your heart, it can create something beautiful. It's not easy. Trust me, it's definitely not easy. Um, I shed many, many a tear and had many a very scared day, um, especially when my, my oldest or my youngest daughter was born. Um, that was, it was a very, very hard time for us. But even with all that, even with the adversity, I am so thankful that art kept me grounded and then I kept coming back to that and then I kept finding purpose in that because otherwise where would we be today where would I be today I wouldn't have this podcast I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if I'd walked away during the hard season I would never have come back or if I had come back I would have come back years later when there was no risk and therefore maybe I wouldn't take risks Maybe the risks are why I even stuck with it because I had no other option. I had to. So I say all this because I want you to know that if you feel pressure, whether whether it's a financial pressure or whatever, please know that your art can be a resource for you in that time. It can be a source of healing and belonging and peace. And that might just be the thing that leads you out of whatever you're facing and the process of creating and quieting your mind, quieting your heart, creating something beautiful. It can create something really beautiful in you and in your life if you allow it to. I hope this has been encouraging to you. I hope that it's been at least interesting to hear a bit of my origin story. In the next episode, I'm going to talk about the next phase, which goes from 2013 to the present day and the massive growth both in my business and inside of myself that's had to take place in order for that to happen. So I'll talk about that next. Um, In the meantime, go over to mlhefferdslearn.com and check out Making Art Work. It will be open for enrollment soon, so I recommend getting a head start on figuring out what it is about, seeing if it's a good fit for you. Ask me questions. I'm happy to talk through the different, um, you know, the different fits. It has to fit you perfectly, and I totally get that. So I want to help you make that choice. So please feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'll be happy to talk with you about it. Making Art Work, in case you don't know, is my signature 12-week course. And I like to describe it as the course that enables artists to have profitable and sustainable businesses that bring them joy and allows them to share their art boldly and beautifully with the world. If you would like to get more information, go ahead and do so. The doors open February 18th through 25th. And again, that is Making Art Work, found at emilyjeffordslearn.com. And before Making Art Work goes live, we are doing two different awesome and totally free, by the way, um, different learning experiences. We're having a video series that begins on the 4th of February. And then after the video series, we're going to have a challenge, which is more like an implementation with daily prompts to help you share your work beautifully and elegantly and confidently online. And we're going to do this together. We're going to actually go through the process of sharing our work online beautifully together so that I can guide you through it and give you some tips and help you overcome some mindset blocks and some some fear that often clouds this this part of the journey for so many of us 
and I often find that when we do scary things together, they're less scary. So I am going to help you do that in that challenge. So get on my email list. It's definitely going to be transformative for you, whether you join making artwork or not, which I totally think you should, if you're ready to grow your fine art business, it will absolutely, it will absolutely do that for you. I have no doubt about that whatsoever, because I believe completely in the content. It is literally how I run my entire business. And I had the honor of helping 400 students go through the course last year, and they have such beautiful glowing reviews. So go over to Emily Jeffords Learn and get on the list and find out all about the good stuff. Okay, come back. We're going to talk about the next half of my career in the next episode, and I would love for you to join us there. All right. Bye for now.